everybody grab your Bible, grab your Bible, stand to your feet, turn to Romans chapter number 5. Uh, three years ago, that's where we stopped, amen, that's what it seems like. It's been that long. Uh, it's not, but it seems like a long time, but I'm glad to be home, glad to get back started uh, in the Bible study. Man, I have an exciting time studying this for tonight, and uh, it's going to be really, really good. Romans 5 and verse number 6, We the last time uh, we were in Romans, we were went through 1 through 5, and tonight we're going to go through 6, uh, verse number 6 through 21. Uh, so in, this, in these verses, you're going to find two words, two words that are mentioned five times in these particular verses. Uh, the two words are much more. Say that with me. Much more. Uh, I'm glad that we have a much more salvation. Amen? We have a much more God. When we come to God, we were expecting one thing, and we found out we were getting much more. Amen? If you need a lesson, they're, about, they're passing out the lessons back there. If you forgot to pick up a lesson back there, hold up your hand, and they'll make sure you get one. Anybody need a lesson tonight? Got some on this side over here, some on this side. Uh, raise your hand real high. Raise your hand real high, and we'll make sure you get one all the way over, Brother Johnny, all the way over Steve and him. All right? All right. Now, Romans 5 in verse number 6. If you found your spot, say amen. Now, when we come across much more, I want you to say it real loud, all right? When we get to it, you'll find it. You'll find it in verse 9, verse 10, verse 15, verse 17, and also in verse 20, all right? So I'll read it, but when we get to much more, I want you all to repeat it with me, okay? Uh, verse number 6, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, or in other words, right on time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Say it with me. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In other words, he died for our salvation, but he's also living for our salvation. And not only so, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law of sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even unto them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of many be dead, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of the many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, say it with me, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. 
For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And this is one of my most favorite verses in all the Bible. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did. Grace did. Grace did abound. Amen. Amen. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you for your blessings, your goodness, your mercy. God, we thank you that you are a holy God. We thank you that you are a righteous God. We thank you that you are a pure God. And we thank you that you know us in our frame. You know us in who we are. You know every hair on our head. And you know exactly what we need. God, right now we need your anointing. We need your guidance. We need your direction in this study. Lord, as we take your word and we break it down and we dissect it and we learn and we study what you'd have us to know tonight. God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. And we're so glad you're a God of much more. And Lord, we'll thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Let's begin our study in verse number 6 tonight. Uh, in three basic uh, topics that we're going to talk about tonight. First is the certainties of salvation. Some things about salvation that Paul felt like we needed to know in this particular chapter. And then we're going to look at the conclusions of sin. Some things about sin and our condition that God uh, wanted us to know. And then the, we'll kind of cap it off with a grand finale, if you will, on the contrast of sons. The contrast of sons. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Verse number 6. Let's read just a few verses. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Uh, we want to, look, let me read one more verse. For if when we were enemies, say that with me, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. If you're writing notes and taking notes, don't you write this down in your notes. We see the certainties of salvation. The first thing we want to talk about tonight is the weakness, the weakness of our state. The weakness of of our state. I, I, I talked with a lady. Uh, uh, the first church I pastored was a, a little old country church out in South Carolina, the low country of South Carolina. And there were people in there that, that was 150 years old. They'd been in there forever, I mean, and ever and ever. And, uh, and, and this one lady, she was so proud of her religion. And this, is what she, this was a statement that she made. She said, I've always been a Christian. I've always been a Christian. Number one, that's a lie. Nobody can always be a Christian. Why? Because God says when he came to where we were, when he found us in our condition, it says this in verse 6, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. My Bible says, for there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So in these in these verses, there's there's a couple things, there's a couple things in the ones we just read that God describes our condition. First, he calls us without strength. Then he says, he uses the word ungodly in verse 6. 
Then he uses the word sinners in verse 7. Then in verse 10, or excuse me, verse 8. And then in verse 10, he uses the word enemies. Let's look at these a minute. Let's look at these. This is where we were. This was our, and you say, why do we need to know this? Because this will help you appreciate your salvation even more. If you really come to realize who you are and where you were when God found you, it'll make you appreciate a whole lot more for what God done for you. Amen? The Bible says we were without strength. That means weak, a dying state, neither able to resist sin nor to do any good, utterly devoid of power to extricate themselves from the misery of their situation. In other words, we were hopeless. We were helpless. We couldn't fix it. Turning over a new leaf didn't change it. We tried and we would do good for a little while and then we'd fall right back in the same condition, in the same position. We were without strength. Then he says that we were ungodly. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Ungodly means without either the worship or the knowledge of the true God. We had not God in them and consequently were not partakers of the divine nature. Satan lived in, ruled, and enslaved their hearts. And and, and, and ladies and gentlemen, I don't like to really talk about this, but when we were without God, we were following Satan. Satan was our God. He was our leader. He was the dictator, if you will. He was the slave master. We were ungodly. We were without God. Listen, we were without God's presence. We were without God's touch. We were without God's direction, God's peace. Then it says in verse number number 8, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. We were sinners. We were without strength. We were ungodly. We were sinners. What does that mean? Aiming at happiness but constantly missing the mark. The word sin means to miss the mark. There is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In other words, we have missed the mark. We missed the mark when it comes to happiness, joy, Uh in, in missing the mark, we deviated from the right way. We walked in the wrong way and trespassed in thus deviating. And by breaking the commandments of God, not only missed the mark of happiness, but exposed themselves to everlasting misery. We couldn't find any hope or peace. In verse number 10, he not only said we were without strength, he not only said that we were ungodly, he not only said that we were sinners, but in verse number 10, for if when we were Ooh, if when we were, think about it this way. There was a time in the history of mankind when the creation declared war on the creator. How many of y'all are glad that God never declared war on his creation? That he, all he did when we declared war on him, when I say we, I'm talking about mankind. When mankind decided that they didn't need God, that they didn't want God, they didn't want to have God in their imagination, and we covered all that in Romans chapter number 1. Y'all remember that. Uh, listen, when that time that time took place, God did not say, okay, I'm through with the world. Okay, I'm done with it. I'll deal with it. Here we go. He didn't do that. He simply sent his sons to be a peacemaker. Say amen. Enemies. We were enemies. Enemies. Hatred. Enmity. Persons who hated God and his holiness and acted in continual hostility to both. Can we see can we see some characteristics of mankind being enemies to God, showing hostility 
to the things of God and holiness. Man, you can't turn on the news and not see where people are trying to be hostile toward the things of God. And that's where God found us. We were not good. We were not deserving. We were not Cub Scouts. We were ungodly. We were sinners. We were uh, without strength. God, in other words, we couldn't do anything for God because of what he does for us. He'd done something for someone who couldn't do anything back for him. In our life, in our world, we live in a you scratch my back, I scratch your back. But do you realize God came and did something for somebody who couldn't do nothing back for him? Amen. We see the weakness of our state. And then I want you to see this. B, write this down. I want you to see the willingness of our Savior. The willingness of our Savior. For when we were yet without strength in due time, right on time. God's an on time God. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for the good. There wasn't any. There is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Christ died for the ungodly. Then he goes into, it's it's like Paul's thinking like we do. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God, the word commendeth means to put on display. In other words, God said, I I don't want to just tell you I love you. I want to show you I love you. And God put his love on display, but God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, before we got better, before we could change, before we'd done anything that deserved anything, before anything happened, he died for sinners. He died for the broken. He died for the ungodly. These verses are, are for a purpose. It's to help us understand something. The design of these verses is to illustrate the great love of God by comparing it with what man was willing to do. In other words, he's saying man's barely, barely willing to die for a good person, much less a wicked person. It is an unusual occurrence. An event which is all that we can hope for from the highest human benevolence and the purest friendship, that one would be willing to die for a good man. There are none who would be willing to die for a man who was seeking to do us injury and to harm our character, to destroy our happiness and our property, but Christ was willing to die for bitter folks. It kind of makes me think about uh, when they were nailing him to the cross and his word, Father, forgive them. What? For they know not what they do. Wow. He's he's bleeding and dying in agony. They've spit in his face. They've plucked his beard out. They've driven a crown of thorns who experts say the thorns were between an inch and a half to two inches long down into his skull, down into his cranium. And he he is bleeding from every part of his body. He's being humiliated, hanging naked before God and man. He is, he is going through the darkest hour of his life. And he says, Father, forgive them. And he did that for the one that was nailing him to the cross. What a Savior. Amen? Certainty of salvation. Then, then number two, 
Number two, I want you to look at the conclusions of sin. Verse 12. He begins to talk about he begins to talk about how all of mankind came into the condition that they came into. In other words, under condemnation. We're all condemned. We're all under the judgment of sin. Verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, who's that man? Adam. Stay with me. Adam. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. In other words, in other words, if, if there is no law that says you have to go 65 miles an hour on the highway, you can't get a ticket if there is no law. You understand what I mean? That's what he's saying. Where there is no law, sin is not imputed. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. In other words, then why were they dying? The wages of sin is, but there was no law. So why were men dying from Adam to Moses? Not because of those men's sins, but the sin of that one man. And that one man's sin, that brought them all under the condemnation of sin. Now watch this. Uh, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now watch. Let's look at this. A, write this down in your notes. I want you to see the entrance of sin. The entrance of sin. When sin came into this world, this world was perfect. This world was a paradise. This world was unbelievable. It was everything man needed it to be to enjoy life. God not only gave man, God not only gave Adam and Eve food and and trees that were good for food, he also gave them what they needed, and the Bible says, for joy. Because it said he put in their trees and flowers that were pleasant to the eye. In other words, God didn't want him to just survive. God wanted him to enjoy life. Now, let me translate that to us today. God does not want you to endure Christianity. God wants you to enjoy Christianity. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I am, listen, listen, I know, I know we're going to suffer. And I'm going to talk about that in the next few weeks. We're going to talk about suffering as a Christian because some of us are called to suffer. But even in the midst of that, we can still experience the joy of the Lord. Say amen. Now, the entrance of sin. Everything's perfect. Everything's great. God, God has it all lined out for them. He has a dominion. He has his own kingdom. He is basically, you can say it like this, Adam is the king of the world. He's the king of the earth. He has dominion over everything. But God gives him one rule. One rule. Don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the only rule you have. You can have anything out here. You can have anything, but don't touch that tree. And y'all know what happened. We all know what happened. He disobeyed, and he broke God's law, and he sinned. Adam was given dominion over the old creation. He sinned, and he lost his kingdom. Because of Adam's sin, all mankind is under condemnation and death. Do you remember when Jesus came? Do you remember when Jesus came? And in, I believe it's in John chapter number 3. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
He said, I'm not coming to this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He said, he said I'm not coming to condemn. You're already condemned. He said, that he that believeth in me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned, is condemned already. God didn't send his son to condemn us. We were already in that condition. That's what, that's what he's trying to help us understand right here. We came into this world that way. I, I love to illustrate that. I love to illustrate that with my little girl, my uh, Jordan, when she was a little bitty baby and young. It was at this, I don't know what age it was. It was at the age when you go, uh-huh, or uh-uh. That's, that's whatever age that was. And, and, uh, and she broke that tag on the front of my truck while I watched her do it. I'm standing there looking at her, and she just was playing with it, and it snapped. And she turned around and looked at me. I said, Jordan, did you break that? She said, uh-uh. Now, that was a lie. That was a, the S word, that was a sin. That was a sin. How did she know how to do that? She was born that way. She was born with that nature and traced it all the way back to who? Adam. To Adam. Now watch. All mankind now is under the condemnation of death. Now skeptics sometimes ask, and I've, I've really thought this sometimes in my life, skeptics sometimes ask, was it fair for God to condemn the whole world just because of one man's disobedience? Now the answer, of course, is that it was not only fair, but it was also wise and gracious. To begin with, if God had tested each human being individually, the result would have been the same, disobedience. But even more important, by condemning the human race through one man, God was able to save the human race through how many men? Jesus Christ. Now, that's what we're going to talk about in the next couple verses, all right? Each of us is racially united to Adam so that his deeds affect all of us. The fallen angels cannot be saved because they are not a race. They sinned individually and were judged individually. There can be no representative to take their judgment for them and save them. But because you and I were lost in Adam, our racial head, we can be saved in Christ, the head of the new creation. God's plan was both gracious and wise. Now, we see the entrance of sin. Sin comes into the world because of Adam. And because of that sin, it's passed upon all men. We all inherited that gene, if you will. We all inherited uh, that condemnation. We all inherited the nature of sin. Well, let's look at B. Write this down. I want you to see the extent, the extent of sin. <clears throat> the extent of sin. We know that all men die, but death is the result of disobeying the law. Now, there was no law from Adam to Moses. Let's go back and read this. Look in, in verse number 14. Verse 14, you're looking at in your Bible. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Now, when Moses came along is when the law came along. The law could not save. People are trying to live by the law to get to heaven. They're trying to live by the law to be saved. But the law cannot save. All the law can do, we have learned, is that it can tell you you need to be saved. We know we are a sinner because we've broken the law of God. And that teaches us that we need the grace of God. It's always been by grace. God has always uh, he's always operated in grace with human beings, but the law came to show us how much we needed his grace. All right? Now, uh, there was no law from Adam to Moses, but men still died. A general result demands a general cause. So what is that cause? 
it can be only one thing, the disobedience of Adam. When Adam sinned, he ultimately died. All of his descendants died, yet the law had not yet been given. What's the conclusion? They died because of Adam's sin. For that all have sinned, Romans 5, 12, means all have sinned in Adam's sin. Men do not die because of their own acts of sin. Otherwise, babies would not die. Men die because they are united racially to Adam, and in Adam all men die. Adam, because of Adam, we're in trouble. Because of Adam, we have a need. Because of Adam, we're, we, we have a condemnation that's over our heads, and we need a Savior. Say amen. Now, this is the cool part. Uh, I really, I really wanted to just hunker down in this for a while in this part, but this is this is really interesting. Uh, number three, number three. I want you to see the contrast of sons. The contrast is saying, "Say, what sons are you talking about? The sons of God, Adam and Christ." So, what do you mean, Adam, the son of God? Let me read you a verse, Luke three thirty-eight. Luke is going down through the genealogy of Christ. And in, 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 in Matthew, Matthew, they go from Adam to Christ, but in Luke, they go from Christ to Adam. They go backwards. Luke 3.38, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, read it with me, which was the son of God. We can say it this way. We can say it this way. Adam was the created son of God. Christ was the begotten Son of God. Adam, Adam, see, Adam and Christ were the only two human beings ever in the history of mankind who did not have an earthly father. Their father was God. God formed man out of the dust. He formed Adam, and he created Adam. He is referenced in that verse as the Son of God. But, but Christ issued forth from God. That's what begotten means, to issue forth. And here we go. Now watch it. This is just a this is just a commercial right here. Uh, uh, Adam was made from the what? Of the ground. Dust of the ground. He came from the ground. But guess what got cursed when he sinned? The ground. The very thing that Adam come from. But you see, but you see, the Spirit of God planted the seed in the woman, and the woman wrapped him in flesh, and he became the God man. He issued forth from God. The old Adam, the first Adam, fell. But are, are y'all with me? Now we're going to contrast these two. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 5 is really the heart of the book, and he wants to compare the first Adam with the last Adam. Amen? Uh, the, 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 the Bible says in verse number 15, let's start comparing. There's two things that are compared. There's two things that are compared in these verses, and we'll dig into some of them, all right? A, write this down, there's a contrast of characteristics. There's a contrast of characteristics. But then there's a contrast of contributions. Adam contributed to the world and so did Christ. They both had their own characteristics, but they, all, they both had their contributions. Now, let's, let's start digging into them a little bit. Verse 15, verse 15. But not as the offense, 
So, in other words, when he, when he sinned in the garden, that offense is talking about his disobedience. When he came and he took the fruit he was not supposed to take, that's what that offense is. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, talking about Adam, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So in verse 15, we find a contrast or comparison between the first Adam, which he brought in an offense, a disobedient act, a breaking of God's law, and because of that, he brought death. But then we see Christ comes into the picture. And everything that Christ did, everywhere that Christ went, everything that Christ said, every thought that he had, if, are y'all with me? It was perfectly according to the will of God. He said, I always do the things that please my Father. He was without spot and without blemish, without sin, perfect before man. Everything that the first Adam messed up, the second Adam got it right. Everything that he did wrong, listen, Jesus came to this earth and he lived a life that was perfect and righteous and holy. And because of that, when Adam sinned and disobeyed, he brought death. But because Christ, he came and lived perfectly and had a righteous, holy life and did everything right, he brought forth life. Amen. Amen. This is going to get good. Amen. Verse 16. We see the contrast of the offense. We see, uh, 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 then we see verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to, but the free gift is of many offenses unto, okay. So verse 16, in Adam, in Adam, we find ourselves under condemnation. Come on, y'all get it. We find ourselves under, we're, we're guilty. We're condemned. We're just waiting for the hatchet to fall. In the first Adam, he brought in death and condemnation. We are condemned. But in Christ, in Christ, we find ourselves in justification. Now, we done, we've already studied justification. Y'all remember what it means. Justification means just if I'd never sinned. When I find myself in Christ. Let me go back and say this about that. Everybody's born. No, 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 this, is, this is not in the notes, but it's in my heart. So let, turn, turn with me to John. Turn with me to John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. We're going to talk about uh, uh, Nicodemus here just for a minute. John chapter number 3. Oh, yeah, we got plenty of time. John 3. There was a man by the name of Nicodemus. He was a, he was a ruler of the Jews. He was a, a, a scholar, a Bible scholar of that day, if you will. He knew the law uh, uh, backwards and forwards and front ways and sideways. And Jesus is here doing things that you just can't imagine. I mean, he's doing miracles that nobody can deny. But the religious crowd didn't want to have anything to do with him because Jesus was taking all their glory. And uh, so he came to Jesus by night. Some 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 Bible scholars believe that he was fearful of his peers and his friends, what they would think, or, or whatever reason. I'm not going to speculate about that because it really doesn't matter. The point is, he came to Jesus, and this is what he said. He said, now we know that thou art a teacher come from God, because ain't nobody can do what you're doing except God be with him. 
In other words, I don't know if I fall in line with what you're saying, but I know there's something different about you. And I'm curious. I want to know what the deal is. So he tells Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. you got to be born again. That totally whacks out Nicodemus. What? That doesn't make any sense. Why? He's thinking carnally. He's not thinking with a spiritual mindset. Now watch this. Watch what, it, what, watch what he says. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus responds like probably we would have at that time. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered. Now this is where it gets really, this is where you got to really pay attention because he describes such a wonderful truth here. And you say, what has this got to do with, with, with Adam and Christ? When you came into this world and you were born, you were born into the old Adam. You are racially connected and kin to the first Adam. But there's got to be something that brings you from being in the old Adam to in the new Adam. Are y'all with me? And this is it. This is what he says. Verily, verily. Verse 5, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, every human being that's born is born in a sack of water. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. In other words, you got to be humanly born, and then you got to be In order to experience life on this earth, you've got to be humanly born. In order to experience life in heaven, you've got to be, y'all catching it yet? You've got to be born of water and of the Spirit. You've got to have two births to enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, are y'all with me? It's flesh. But, all right, he's, he's, he's explaining to Nicodemus the difference between when he said you must be born again. He wasn't saying the physical birth. That's what Nicodemus was thinking. How's that possible? He said that which is born of flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the is ah. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, here's the deal. We get into the first Adam, and his race or his lineage, his family, through the human birth. The, the, the birth of flesh, the birth of water, born of water. Then we see, we get into Christ's family. By that spiritual birth, by knowing him, the day that you came to him, whether it was in a, in a car, whether it was in a revival service, or whether it was in a church service, whether it was in a wana, or, or whatever it was, it might have been in your living room with your parents with a Bible in your hand. That day you said, Lord Jesus Christ, I know I'm a sinner. If you will please forgive me of my sin and take me and save me today, I want to be saved. At that moment, you were adopted into the family of God. And you were reborn. Your spirit was reborn and made alive. And that, boy, there's a lot of teaching right there I'd like to do. Uh, let me just get a minute on this. 
when God created man in the garden, when God created man in the garden, he said this. He said, let us make man in. Now, who was the R? Because there wasn't nothing. He wasn't talking to the angel. He was talking to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Y'all with me? Let us make man in our image. And you know what God did? He made man in his image. He is a trinity. We are created in the image of God. Everything about us is created in a trinity. There's three major bones in your finger. There's three major bones in your hand. There's three major joints in your arm. You have three major parts of your body. Are y'all with me? Everything's a trinity. You are a body, a soul, and a spirit. Y'all with me? A body, a soul, and a spirit. Now, when man was in the garden and God said, if you touch that fruit, ye shall surely. Now, <coughs> when Eve took that fruit and ate it, did she physically die? She wouldn't have been able to give it to Adam if she hadn't. So God was not talking about a physical death. Now, could her soul die? No. The Bible says God breathed into man the breath of life, and he became a living soul. The word living there means never dying. Never dying. So it could not die. You have a soul right now, ladies and gentlemen, whether you know it or not, you have a soul that's going to live for eternity, whether heaven or hell. It's going to be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. God invested part of himself into every human being. When he breathed into him the breath of life, everybody has a soul. He's got a body, a soul, and a spirit. The spirit is what connected man with God. That's why he says we must worship in spirit and in truth. That is what is how we pray in the spirit. We sing in the spirit. We worship in the spirit. If you're not, you're just wasting your time. But here's the problem. When man sinned in the garden, when God came and he made man and he, he, he formed them, he made them perfect with a trinity. He made them a body, soul, and a spirit. Their body did not die. Their soul did not die. So what died when man ate of the fruit? Their spirit. Their spirit. Now they went from being a trichotomy, three, to a dichotomy, two. A body and a soul. Their spirit died. Their spirit which connected with God. What happened? What happened? God came in the garden, and instead of walking in the cool of the day with him, he's Adam! A connection was broken. And what God is trying to explain to Nicodemus here, you must be born again. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven with just a physical birth. Your spirit must be born again. It must become alive. That's why when a person prays, the only prayer of a sinner that God hears is the prayer of repentance. Because he can't get a connection. But when a person gets saved, it changes everything. Changes how they feel, it changes how they see, it changes everything. Now they have a spiritual body. Listen, when I got saved, I, 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 listen, I, I, when I came into this world, when I was born uh, in 1973 in Stewart, Florida, I came under Adam. And then later on in my teenage years, when I came to Christ as my Savior, I'm in the family of Christ. Now I'm in his spiritual family part of the body of Christ, and part of the uh, family of God. Say amen. Now, with all that being said, when I came into this world, when I was born, 
I was under, what was that verse? We just stopped. I just run a rabbit for a while. Say it with me. Condemnation. But the day I got saved, I experienced Adam got you condemned. Jesus got you justified. Amen? Now let's see what the next verse says. Verse number 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's what? By one man's many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. We see that in verse 18 and 19 we find that Adam brought in disobedience. He was tested. He was tested in that garden and he failed the test. Jesus in the wilderness. Hallelujah. In the wilderness, Satan came after he'd been fasting 40 days, and it was time for the test. Three different tests. First one, turn this, turn this stones into bread, if thou be the Son of God. Now, now, the devil wasn't questioning whether he was the Son of God. He knew who he was because Jesus done kicked him out of glory. He was saying it in the reference, if you study it, he was saying, man, you're the son of God. Why, why, you shouldn't be hungry. If thou be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written. He could have flicked him off the planet. But guess what? You couldn't. So he used what you can use. Do you realize the weapon that Jesus Christ used to kick the devil's butt is sitting right in your hand? It is, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But you know what? Remember this, the devil is relentless. You might get victory at one moment, but he's coming back. Don't think he's going to give up. He took Jesus. Showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. Showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. Said, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all this stuff. See, that's how the devil operates. That's how the devil operates. You see, God the Father had already promised all that stuff to Jesus. But before Jesus wore a crown, he had to carry a cross. And the devil was trying to give him a shortcut to what God had already promised him. What's the point? Young people in here, sex is wonderful in the marriage state. And what the devil wants to do is try to get you to do something that God has already promised you in a great way and take a shortcut that leads to death and disobedience. Are y'all with me? And so, so he said, look, it is written. We should worship the Lord our God and him only shall we serve. Are y'all with me? He takes him up to a cliff. Now he tries to quote the word to the word. He says, won't you just jump off of here? Doesn't the Bible say that the angels will not let you dash your foot against a stone? That's when he's getting slick. Because he's an angel of light. 
Ladies and gentlemen, don't think the devil's going to come into your life with a pitchfork and a fork of tail and red horns. That's not the way the devil comes. He comes as an angel of light. He comes as somebody good. And Jesus said, listen, it is also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I tell that to all the snake handlers, say amen. Don't be tempting God. Yes, God did provide and promise protection. But if you're going to be foolish, God's not obligated to nothing. Say amen. Now listen. In Adam, in Adam, we find disobedience when he's tested. But thank God when Jesus was tested, he was fully obedient to the will of God. And because of the disobedience of Adam, there was death. Because of the obedience of Christ, there is life. Adam came from the earth. Christ came from heaven. Adam was tested in a garden and surrounded by beauty and love. Christ was tempted in the wilderness and died on a cross surrounded by hatred and ugliness. Adam was a thief and was cast out of paradise. Christ turned to the thief on the cross and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I need a witness. The Old Testament is the book of the generation of Adam. And it ends with a curse in Malachi 4.6. The New Testament is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And it ends with no more curse in the Old Testament, or excuse me, the New Testament book of Revelation. It listen, Genesis brings in disobedience, death despair and destruction but revelation ends with no more curse no more death no more sorrow no more tears why because the king of kings has come the prince of peace has come the white horse rider has come and he's sitting on the throne of his glory jesus christ the last adam the savior of the world he has come to take away everything that the first adam messed up i need a witness church say amen Isn't the Lord good? Listen, we think that we just got a ticket to heaven when we got saved. It's much more than that. He's promised us peace. He's promised us joy. He's promised us happiness. He's promised us a home in heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. That's what he's promised. That's what he's promised. He said this. He said this to the Lord himself. First Thessalonians I believe 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the uppertaker. Amen. He's coming. You just thought you were missing hell. But see, you've got a God of much more. It's much more than I ever dreamed it would be much more than I ever thought I deserved. I know I didn't deserve it. But see, I come under the old Adam. But thank God, because of my spiritual birth, I'm in the family of God. Say, oh, but I, I, I know somewhere in the Bible it talks about Israel being the son of God. Yes, but they were adopted. 
the two sons, Adam and Christ. You are underneath this one if you're in this building. That means you're a human being alive and can hear me. So you're under this Adam. But has there ever been a day that you have found yourself with that new birth that Jesus tried to explain to Nicodemus about in John chapter 3? Are you living under the second Adam? According to the Corinthians, he's, the Bible says he's the last Adam. This Adam was the beginning of the old creation. This Adam was the beginning of the new creation. There's a verse in Revelation. Let me, let me turn to it real quick. I want, I want to... Revelation 1, verse number 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. The first begotten of the dead. Listen. This Adam went down and couldn't get up. This Adam went down. But in three days got back up. He said, Behold, in Revelation chapter 1, Behold, I am he that liveth and was dead, am alive forevermore. And I had the keys of death and of hell. Have you been saved? Do you know Christ is your Savior? Are you underneath the last Adam? Has there been a time in your life that you've given Christ your life. It's not hard. It's not difficult. You could trust him tonight. As a matter of fact, I want every head bowed for just a second. I'm like 10 minutes early. This is, I'm, this is great. It's a great time to pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to, I want you to think about this a minute. God's allowed us to get done 10 minutes early so we can have an invitation. And may, he may have done that just for you. Just for you. Maybe through this service you've been thinking. Maybe through this service you've, you've been wondering. I don't, know if I'm, I don't know if I've been in that second Adam. I don't know if I've ever been saved. I don't know if I've ever been saved. Listen, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to trust him right now. There ain't a soul looking around. There ain't a soul looking around. I'll keep every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm, I'm doing this for you. Your heart's beating fast right now because God's speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray specifically for you. Say, preacher, I'm not 100% sure if I was to die right now that I'd go to heaven. Would you slip up your hand and let me pray for you real quick? Nobody's looking but me and Jesus. I see that hand. God bless you, sis. I see that hand in the middle. God bless you, honey. Anybody else just say, Preacher, I'm just not sure. Would you pray for me? Would you just say a prayer for me? I want to pray for you. Anybody? Anybody? Father, you saw these hands. You saw the hands that were raised. You saw the, the concern in their heart. Lord, I know they're probably nervous right now. I remember I was. 
God, there's nothing to be nervous about. This is no accident that you had me teach on this tonight. This is where we were in the chapter. It's no coincidence that they came tonight. God, I want more than anything else in this world to know that when they leave this building that they have trusted you as their Savior. God, I want to give them that opportunity. In, in your word, Lord, you teach us how to be saved in this same book that we're studying, Romans. Now, if you raised your hand, if you raised your hand or if you didn't, it don't really matter. If you need to be saved right now, I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to tell you how. The Bible says that all have sinned, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You must understand and realize that you're a sinner under condemnation. The second thing you must know that Jesus came and died for your sins. We read the verse, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's a condemnation of sin, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6, 23. Say, well, what do I do then? Know you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. Then thirdly, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's just a fancy way of saying it's not what you say with your mouth, it's what you believe with your heart. And if you're ready to do that right now, you can do it right there in that pew where you're sitting. You can do that right there in that pew where you're sitting. I want you to do this, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you'd like to trust Christ right now, I want you to say this prayer with me. And it's not the prayer with your mouth, it's what you're doing with your heart. It's what you're doing with your heart. If you'll believe this with all of your heart, put your faith in God right now. Pray this with me. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm under condemnation. And I believe with all of my heart that Jesus died for me. I believe he died for me. The best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me, to save me, change me. The best I know how, I'm putting my faith in your son. In Jesus' name I pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer right where you're sitting, Ain't a soul looking around. I, I, I just want to know it. If you prayed that prayer right where you're sitting, would you slip up your hand? Would you slip up your hand? Let me see. Just I see that hand. God bless you, honey. I see that hand. I want to ask you to do one more thing. I've got a little booklet. I've got a little booklet as a gift that I'd like to give you. And if you don't mind, as every head still bowed and every eye closed, if you don't mind, would you come and just take this gift? I've got it here. I've got it here, and I'll give it to you in my own hand. I want to give this to you. Would you come? That's it.
anybody else? Anybody else pray that prayer? I'd love to give you this little book and pray for you right here. Amen. I wonder how many Christians will come. We've got just a couple minutes. How many Christians have helped me find this altar right now? We're going to pray for our church. There's some really intense messages coming up that God is going to bring our church through to develop the maturity of our people. And I'm going to need the Holy Ghost to help me. Our church is going to be challenged. Our church is going to be called out by God to take steps of faith. Boy, we need to pray. I've been reading through the book of Acts, and if there's one thing that the church was known for, it was prayer. They were a praying people, and where prayer is, there's power. Some of you have prayers that you need answered. Some of you have issues you need to take to God right now. And we're going to ask God to help us here. We're going to ask God to help us. Johnny, I want you to come up here and lead us, and then I'm going to finish this out. And let's ask God to really move this Sunday and let us feel the presence of God in this place. Brother Johnny. in a place, Lord, where we see, God, what you want us to do, and Lord, I ask you tonight, Lord, that you'd bless the one, God, that come, Lord, and got saved tonight, Lord, what a night, God, to come and to, to trust in Jesus as her Savior, Lord, I praise you tonight, Lord, for that, Lord, I thank you for the four, God, that got saved Sunday, Lord, I thank you for the people that come, God, to join for membership, Lord, I pray for our pastor, God, tonight, Lord, as a you already are staring in his heart, Lord, in his mind, God, the messages, Lord, that we stand in need of as a church. Lord, help us to be the Christians, God, that you want us to be. Lord, help us to be, God, the husbands, Lord, to be the mothers. God, I pray, Father, right now, Lord, to be exactly what you want us to be, Lord. I know times are going to be tough. God, you're going to call us out. Lord, you're going to ask us to do things, God, that is not comfortable, Lord, with what we're used to. But, God, I pray as a church, God, that we would stand tall. God, we'd stand firm, Lord, on the foundation, Lord, that you've set here. Lord, we'd be able to reach our community. God, we'd be able to touch lives, Lord, to be able to accomplish, Lord, the goals, Lord, the will that you have for Temple Baptist Church. Lord, I thank you for every single person. God, it's at this altar tonight, Lord, it's sitting in their pew to come out on a Wednesday night, Lord, to hear, God, your word preached. Lord, I thank you for our pastor, Lord, bringing the word tonight. Lord, we've missed him. God, the last few weeks, Lord, thankful for his vacation, but God, we love it when he's here. God, I pray special blessings on him and Miss Tammy. Lord, I pray, God, for our Sunday service. Lord, I pray, God, that you would touch. Lord, you'd be with Brother Jalen. God, in the choir, Lord, as they sing. Lord, you'd be able to touch them and anoint them. God, as Brother Malcolm comes to preach the message, God, I pray, Father, that you'd anoint him afresh and anew. Lord, you'd touch him, give him every right word to say. And, Lord, I pray that you'd just fill him, God, with the Holy Ghost this Sunday. And, Lord, let him preach, Lord, like a dying man, Lord, to a dying world. God, I pray, Father, right now, Lord, for someone that's going to be under the sound of his voice. God, that don't know you in the free pardon of sin, Lord, this Sunday would be the day, Lord, that come. And God, trust in you. And Lord, I again just want to praise you tonight, Lord, for the one that got saved. Lord, I thank you again. 
Lord, for each and every person being here. Lord, just bless us the rest of this week. God, I pray we'd come Sunday, and Lord, have a good day in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your guidance, your anointing. And Lord, we need you. We need you desperately. We need your presence. God, we're looking for that Acts 2 power. God, we're looking for that Acts 2 presence. Lord, we pray that you'll move in this place. Lord, you have the same power. You have the same ability. You have the same uh, 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 wisdom. Everything that they use in the, in the New Testament church, God, we need today. God, I pray that you'll help our people learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ and a follower of Christ. Lord, not just a not just a religious person, not just somebody who, who has an idea about following rules, but somebody who wants to live the life of Christ, who wants to be sacrificial, who wants to love anybody and everybody, who wants to reach out and make a difference in their community. God, help our church to be a church with the heart of Christ and the mind of Christ. And God, we'll praise you and thank you. We'll glorify your name. You've been so good to us. Lord, we, we, we don't have any complaints. God, you've been so good to our church. We, 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 Lord, we just thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for all of your goodness and your mercy. Now, you know the trials we're going to face. You know the problems we're going to encounter. Lord, you know the valleys that we're going to experience. But, God, you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, you'd be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We don't have to, we don't have to worry about that valley because you said you'd be with us. And God, I praise you and I thank you. And I pray that you'll have your way in this service as we go home. Help us to have rest. Lord, help us to experience your love and tenderness. And God, we'll thank you for all that you've done and what we know you're going to do. In Jesus' holy name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. Let's all stand. Everyone stand as we're finding our place. Everyone stand. Isn't the Lord good? Now listen, I need you to... I need you to tell everybody you see about Bible study. Tell everybody you see about Bible study. We're going to be in chapter number 6 next week. And, uh, and uh, this is important, man. This stuff will build your faith. It will strengthen your Christian walk. And uh, next week we're going to be back in the groove. I guess, I guess everything starts back next week, doesn't it? All the kids' classes and all that. Uh, so, so let's try to do everything we can to invite everybody we can. Uh, uh, Buchanan, do you have anything to say about life groups? Do, is any announcements we need to make about that? Huh? There'll be more Sunday. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to dismiss. Uh, uh, turn around and tell your neighbor, thank God for the second Adam.